Hey, everybody. Dr. Lauren Hungler, naturopathic doctor and creator of the Healthy AF Mom Show, the show that helps tired millennial moms regain control of their energy, understand their bloat, beat their cravings, get better Z's, live life a little greener and a little cleaner, and understand their postpartum bods and more. On today's episode, we're going to be heading into part three of our Know Your Lab series. We're talking about the five most important tests that I think all exhausted moms and all exhausted women need to know. So during today's bite-sized episode, we're going to be chatting about one, like what is metabolic flexibility? Two, or what are the lab tests you need to run to know what your status is? And number three is going to be doing a general overarching concept about like, what are all these labs? How do you know what to do with them? And where do you go from here? If you've been loving our lab series, I highly invite you to grab my five-day Know Your Labs Challenge. So we're going to go into more of the nitty gritties. You're going to have some of those numbers that I'm usually calling out when it comes to like where I like to see optimized values when it comes to each one of your labs. You can grab that all from that great handout and PDF booklet. You can grab the link to the lab, Know Your Labs cheat sheet just below in the show notes. And finally, if you've been digging the content and really enjoying the show, I'd really love it if you could press subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice, or if you could leave a review, that would be amazing. So let's hop into part three, our third and final installment of our Know Your Lab series, where we're chatting all about the key essential labs that you need to know if you're a tired, exhausted woman. Because at the end of the day, we want to test, not guest. We want to know where are you sitting when it comes to your labs? What are going to be the most important components when it comes to knowing is this an issue or is it fine? We need to usually test to figure out some of these components and to figure out some of these parts. So in our first installment, we talked all about ferritin, our long-term storage form of iron. We talked about B12. We talked about vitamin D as well. And in part two, we really honed in and focused on our thyroid function. What are the signs and symptoms that we see when our thyroid is under-functioning? What are some of the reasons why our thyroid isn't working and kind of what are some of the ways that we need to support it and what are the key tests that we need to run to figure out what the heck is going on? And so in part three today, we're going to be talking a bit more about your metabolism. So how your body is breaking things down, but more specifically, we're going to be more focused in on your blood sugar management. And so those are going to be some of the tests that we're going to be chatting about today, things that you should have run as a baseline and things that if they're off, how we're going to retest and understand based on uh, what we need to do as a treatment strategy. So that's where we're going today. So when we're looking at your body's ability to break down carbohydrates, utilize them um, as something for the body to use as energy, there's a lot of physiology, there's a lot of biochemistry, and there's a lot of hormones at play that come into this piece. So we're going to be doing some science because you know I love to talk about a little bit of science so that you know exactly what's happening within your body. Because a lot of the times when you know what's happening, as I always say, then it gives us a better path to know how we can support you from a treatment and a strategy perspective. So when we're looking at your body's ability to break down carbohydrates, we're going to start real superficially. So when you take in food, usually that's going to be your brains, actually. It's your stimulus to say like, I'm hungry, I'm snacky, I want something. Once we put that food into our mouth, we're going to start your breakdown and your carbohydrate breakdown right then and there. We have some amylase enzymes in our mouth and it's going to start breaking down your carbohydrates. We'll talk about toast because it's the easiest one to talk about. 
So you'll start breaking down those carbohydrates. We swallow them down through our esophagus. It plops into our stomach. And usually here in our stomach, we get further breakdown and it's churning and burning and it's making that food into something called chyme, which is basically this like squishy, amorphous little piece of food so that it can get squished down into the small intestine. In your small intestine, this is kind of where like all the magic is happening as well. This is where we have lots of brush border enzymes. Your pancreatic enzymes come into play here. Again, we're breaking down all those carbohydrates and we're going to absorb them through the digestive tract into the bloodstream. And so here the bloodstream starts like pushing out that sugar or that carbohydrate load out into the body. Maybe your heart needs it to exercise. Maybe your brain needs it to do your taxes. Maybe we need it as for our liver. The possibilities are really endless or we can store it away for a rainy day if we don't need it right now. But that's kind of like the general linear process. And so when our blood sugar, after we eat your blood, the sugar will rise in your blood and we can actually measure that, right? When we're measuring it right after you're eating, this is something called random glucose. Random glucose can be taken at any time of the day, and we kind of know what that reference range should look like. The other one that we tend to test very frequently is called fasting glucose, which looks at after 10 to 12 hours, how much sugar is left over in your blood. Because in an ideal world, if you're not utilizing that free sugar, you're going to store it away and your blood sugar will drop back down. And so what we have in here is this kind of like elevation and lowering of your blood sugar values. And so when we do testing, we're looking at usually for me, I'm usually looking at fasting glucose. So over um, a 12 hour fasting period, when you haven't eaten, where's your blood sugar at? Is it where we need it to be or is it on the higher side of things? We also can look at over the past three months, how has this been going? What has your body been doing? What uh, what is she saying? And this is what HbA1c looks at. So your HbA1c, which lots of you will have done on your regular lab work, looks at your three-month sugar status. So how has your body been responding and um, utilizing sugar over the past 90 days? What is that value? And so usually we want it less than 6%. And in a perfect world, we probably, we really want it less than 5.4 or 5.2% is kind of where we would be wanting to go with it. And usually we want the ratio of your fasting blood, blood glucose to your HbA1c, that ratio to be about one to one, which would symbolize that maybe we've got like something really optimized, your, your body's like breaking down sugar, you're utilizing it or storing it. We don't have a big communication issue that's happening from a metabolic standpoint. So what usually happens for people is that sometimes we start to see their HbA1c start to tick up. We usually also start to see their fasting glucose start to tick up. And this is when usually our doctors have like the conversation of, hmm, maybe we need to work on some dietary and lifestyle strategies to help to support to help to support you. Are we having um, a pre-diabetic or some type of concern where we're not breaking sugar down appropriately? And so that's when those two numbers start to get on the higher side of things. When it comes to your body's communication strategy around this, when we go back to that idea of eating the piece of toast, what can actually happen is that you eat the piece of toast, you get that blood sugar out into the blood. And so your body's response to this is putting out insulin. And so insulin is going to be the hormone that gets produced in your pancreas. And it's the one that goes out and tells all of your cells like, Hey guys, 
sugar is here. And she's so excited to tell your whole body that sugar is available for it to utilize quick and simply without having to do a whole lot of work. So it's insulin that's communicating with your cells and then the glucose or that sugar that's out in your blood is able to be absorbed. And so then as your blood, as your sugar is being absorbed out of the blood, your blood sugar will obviously start to lower. And then we see insulin start to lower on the opposite side. And so we should, again, have this nice ebb and flow when it comes to your metabolic function, how your body's responding to responding to food and to carbohydrates more specifically. And we should have this, like again, a dynamic ebb and flow. What can happen is that if we have a diet that's really high in carbohydrates or we have a diet that's just lackluster in the old protein department, the fat and the fiber department, which I'm always harping on, I think, in every episode, um, if we have kind of that dietary discrepancy, meaning that our macros are just off, we don't have anything to stabilize or to support your blood sugar value or your blood sugar stabilization, your blood sugar just tends to be high over time, which means that insulin tends to be high over time. And so what we do in the functional medicine space is we measure your fasting insulin. It's not very commonly done in the conventional space um, because most of the time when they're when they're doing um, fasting insulin, it's if you're a diabetic who's been put on insulin as a drug. So we don't use it because again, we aren't focused on preventative health care. We just we're not good at it. We don't do it right now. But from a functional medicine perspective and from my world, I friggin' love this test. I think it's amazing. I can look at a 35-year-old or a 30-year-old. I did a patient the other day and I was like, listen, we need to get this baby under control. I was like, do you have a family history? I'm like, uh, does your mom or dad have type 2 diabetes? And it's like, well, yes. And I'm like, well, you know, from a genetic perspective, you already have a higher predisposition. And now that we even see your labs, your fasting insulin is really high. Your fasting glucose is higher than I want it to be. And we're going to talk about a home OIR score in a minute. All of these kind of calculations and these metrics suggest that maybe that's something that could be, you know, 10 years in our future. You're not going to be diabetic tomorrow, but it's something where we just want to be mindful that maybe the way we're eating, maybe our lifestyle isn't um, conducive to helping to support you from a metabolic situation. And look at these things. These are things that we can do. We can put interventions and then we can retest and see how your body's responding. It's a fantastic kind of understanding from the nuances. It's a great understanding of like what your labs are saying, what your body's saying, and helping to support both. And so I'm a real big fan of running fasting insulin, running fasting glucose, and running your HbA1c to know what your body is doing. How is it metabolizing it? How is it storing it? And how are your hormones responding? And so one of the cool measures that we can look at is that we can start to look at, okay, so insulin rises when our blood sugar elevates. Cool. Gotcha there. When we look at diabetics, what's like the crux of the problem there? It's that the cells actually stop listening to insulin. Um, And we've talked about this in past episodes. I always call it with my patients. I'm like, it's like Sally, the constant emailer at work right? So when you have that person at work that emails like 40 times in one day and you just want to tell her to buzz off, like you just, you can't listen to another email. That's kind of how your cells sometimes feel about elevated insulin over time. Remember, she was so excited to tell your cells that sugar is available, right? She's like, hey guys, sugar's here. Get ready. Be pumped. Absorb it. If that sugar stays elevated for long periods of time, your insulin just doesn't go down. And so your insulin's over there at each cell being like, hey, do you need some? 
Hey, you want some of this? Hey, do you need it anymore? And even me saying it, don't you just want to like punch me a little bit where you're like, okay, I get, I get the analogy, but your cells are also feeling that, right? Your cells don't want to be constantly bombarded being asking if it needs sugar. It's like, no, I'm good. I just had it. I don't need any more. And so what happens over time is that these cells stop listening. And this is going to be the big problem when it comes to our like type 2 diabetics further on down the line or further on in the future is that your cells just stop listening. They stop responding. And that's what insulin insensitivity is, right? Your cells are insensitive or lacking the communication or lacking the response to that elevated insulin level. And so when I get patients that are in their 30s and early 40s, I'm like, these are things that we can modify now so that that isn't your future. You aren't on metformin. You aren't on all these meds um, that we're putting in place to help support your body's ability to utilize sugar as an energy source because you pissed it off 10 years ago, right? And so what we can do is that we can measure fasting insulin. We measure your fasting glucose. And then we do something called a HOMO-IR score. And a HOMO-IR score looks at how sensitive are your cells to insulin, It's not a perfect test, um, but it is a decent calculation to kind of have that understanding of what the communication is between your cells and between insulin is, are they getting angry? We can kind of like assess that from a lab's value, which I think is super, super cool. So we can run those two labs. We kind of punch it into a calculator and we're looking at, okay, like how insensitive, how, how how lackluster is the listening of your cells to its hormonal signaling because it's just hurt it too much. And so we can actually run that calculation. We usually want your HOMO IR score to be less than one and a half. And so what I see with patients all the time is that their fasting insulin will be pretty high, you know, somewhere in the 100 to 140 range. It's not um, outside the realm of normal, but it's just like high norm. And then we put it, we compare that to their fasting glucose. We put in their HOMO IR score and we see that their HOMO IR score is somewhere between like three and five. It's like 50 to like 60 times the amount that where we want it to be, right? And so what we can do is it's a really great objective marker to say like, okay, we're going to need to do some work on your diet. We're going to need to modify how much protein are you having? I'm not taking carbs away from you. What I need you to do is like have the carbs with a little side of something else. I need there to be more protein in your diet. We need to add in more fat and healthy fats. We need to add in more fiber-rich foods like fruits and vegetables and fiber resources, helping to like modify your diet and your meals. But when we kind of link it along with lab work, the consistency and the vigor with which someone approaches that, it's just a little bit different. Sometimes when I'm telling patients like, oh, I think it's this. Um, if you're the person that loves data and data is what drive what drives you, labs can be a really great way to kind of like maintain focus, maintain motivation, and get you going in the right direction. And so that's what I get love to use labs for is because now when we change and put an intervention into your diet, when we look at maybe we need to give you like 10 or 12 hours between dinner and breakfast, nothing crazy, but just like a normal amount of time to give your body an insulin break can be really important. When it comes to maybe we need to put in just some movement and some play and some light exercise, your body can absorb glucose irregardless of insulin signaling when you are in exercising. It also will lower fasting insulin. 
Maybe there's some herbs that we need to put into play. So there's things like berberine, there's inositol, there's different nutrients and herbs that we can utilize to help support your blood sugar balance and help to kind of reduce those fasting insulin and improve the response of your cells to reduce that HOMO-IR score. And so when we have labs that are linked up to our treatment strategies, it just makes it so much easier. It's like, oh, I know why I'm doing this. And then what we get to do is we get to retest you. We get to look at it in three to six months. And I'm like, okay, like how are we doing? Great. We started with your homo IR score of three. After three to six months, I can usually get it lower by about 40 to 50, like 30 to 50%, depending on like how consistent we've been. Um, We can get that significantly lower. We can get your body responding better. And what we notice is that if your blood sugar is high over time, so we have like a higher fasting insulin, higher fasting glucose value, maybe we've got much higher fasting insulin value, we've got a higher homo IR score. Some of the symptoms you'll start to notice is that you're really tired after you eat. So you eat and then you're like automatically fatigued and on the couch. That can be a really big sign that we're metabolically inflexible. Your body's not responding to blood sugar and not responding to carbohydrates appropriately. So feeling really tired after you eat can be a really big sign. Just like central weight gain. And central weight gain is a tricky one because there's a few different um, components that fit into that. But central weight gain can be a really big one too where if we're having a lot of um, carbohydrates and we're not having like a balanced macro plate and we've got issues there, we can start to see um, some more intense weight gain that can happen. And so that can be another sign where if it's feeling like that that sticky weight or that weight that won't move that we talked about with thyroid dysfunction, we can also see it in the insulin um, and fasting glucose arena as well. Brain fog is another big place where fasting insulin is elevated over time. We'll see brain fog and lack of concentration and difficulty like thinking. Um, that can be another really big sign that maybe our fasting insulin is higher than where we want it to be. Sleep issues can start to um, rear their ugly head. And then just hormonal issues and just general inflammation. So fasting insulin and elevated fasting insulin over time is also an inflammatory um, cascade producer. So we tend to see more pain, more discomfort, um, especially in the PMS arena. We start to see issues there. Or if we've got PCOS, that can be a really big issue and a feature of PCOS is insulin insensitivity as well. So they start to go hand in hand where uh, with fertility and hormonal concerns, when insulin is high over time from a fasting perspective, we start to see issues in the hormone front as well. And then finally, we got old fatigue, right? Fatigue that fits into every nook and cranny when it comes to symptoms. We see low energy, low energy after eating, uh, poor concentration, poor focus, brain fog, and then hormonal uh, discrepancies as well when it comes to that elevated fasting insulin over time. So it's a really cool test. Again, it's not done conventionally. Um, Even if you asked your family doctor, probably wouldn't run it. Again, where I'm looking at it from the preventative healthcare space and we look at labs very, very differently, right? We're always, I'm definitely more inclined to look for something as a preventative healthcare, as optimizing your, your state of well-being, where when it comes to our current healthcare system, we're just not looking for that. And so they're likely not going to run it. So usually you need to find a naturopathic doctor or a functional medicine practitioner, someone that's going to have the ability to run some of our preventative healthcare screens to know what is actually going going on for you. So there you have it. That's part three of our three-part Know Your Lab series where we were talking about the five most important labs that all exhausted women need to know. We talked about ferritin. We talked about 
vitamin B12, vitamin D. We talked about a full thyroid panel. And then today we talked about fasting glucose, HbA1c, and fasting insulin. So those are going to be our big markers. From a standpoint, usually, like I said, at the outset of part one, I usually run an enhanced healthy living, plus I do an addendum and I add on a full thyroid panel. And sometimes we need to add on hormone testing depending on what's going on for a case. But that's when we are looking at like full body proactive preventative care, right? Like I give a shit about what your labs say. And even if something comes back normal, but it isn't optimized, we're also going to talk about that. So it's just a really important point to know is like, what are your baseline? What's your baseline lab work? You should be having it done yearly and having someone follow you and monitoring it over time to know where you feel your best, where your lab should sit and help you to strategize ways to help to make you make you feel like the goddess that you are. Right. And so if you've had lab work done and if you came back like everything is normal, and you still don't feel normal and you do not feel good, listen to your intuition, listen to yourself, and you will always know your body best. And so seek out another, um, a second opinion, seek out a naturopathic doctor or a functional medicine specialist and have someone kind of really go through your case, go through your labs with that fine tooth comb and really itemize it and look at it for like, what do you, what do you need? There are nuances to health and we don't all just follow into these like, beautiful bell curves. It never works. It never has. It's just something we need to start being um, more mindful about advocating for our health. So if you've had labs that were normal and you do not feel normal, they're probably not normal and you need to have some support and some strategy put in place to help you feel amazing. If you're still feeling like you want more or you want to dive in deeper, um, I'd highly recommend grabbing my Know Your Labs Challenge where we're going to, where it kind of goes over the five main big tests that we chatted about in the past uh, three episodes, where it goes over kind of some of the numbers and the optimization values that we've chatted about, the signs and symptoms. It's a really great resource for you to have kind of under your belt um, and to keep on hand when you run your labs or to kind of have a better idea and working understanding about what you're testing and why you're testing it. If you've come to a place where you're like, oh, my labs are normal, but I don't feel normal. She's speaking to me. Then um, I treat women from all across Ontario. We do all telemedicine based and I run labs on everybody. So if you're somebody that wants more support, we want some more individualized treatment. We want to get down to the understanding of why things are happening. I highly recommend grabbing one of my 15 minute free discovery calls. We can meet, we can chat and we can figure out what the heck is going on for you and figure out what tests you need to run to learn more. So those are my big five tests that we chat about in this three part series. If it's something um, where you're like, no, I think it's my hormones or no, it's my digestion, like that's at play too. There's other tests and other functional places that we that we look as well. So today, those that three-part series was really highly focused on our serum and on our blood work values, other things that can help to support that full picture and strategic look when it comes to your healthcare. It could be something like if it is digestion and highly um, weird bowel movements and weird digestive stuff, we're looking maybe at a GI map. If it's something where it's hormonally linked or we're like, we're not sure if it's hormones, um, a urinary test called a Dutch hormone test can be really, um, can give us great insight into what's going on there. So there's different functional tests that we can utilize and support when it comes to your case and to understanding your picture. Blood work is just usually that like first place that we start. And then there's other pieces that we might need to utilize to figure out the full um, extent of what's happening for you. 
So until next time, see you guys. Yay, you made it to the end of the episode. If you enjoyed today's show, I'd love for you to hit that subscribe button and to leave a review. And if you felt inspired by anything you heard today, I'd love to share with you a few ways to get started to feel like a healthy AF mom. So in the show notes below, I've left links to some of my favorite challenges. There's a five-day slay all-day smoothie challenge, a get hella hydrated challenge, and a know your labs challenge. All amazing ways that you can get started to feel like your epic version of yourself today. I also have an awesome coupon code. It's HEALTHYAF15, all caps, and that's a 15% off discount to my 14-day body reboot. Again, it's linked in the show notes below. And finally, I love to get social. So if you wanted to follow me or leave me a comment or a review, you can find me on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok at dr.lauren.nd. I'll see you there. Yeah.